has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News and World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope. And there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the second segment of the show on pudendal neuralgia. Sometimes called cyclist syndrome, pudendal neuralgia causes nerve pain in the pelvis. Patients feel stabbing, stinging, or burning sensations around the anal, scrotal, or labial regions of the body. The pain can even radiate to the groin, thigh, or buttock. Everyday things like sitting or exercising can be virtually impossible. Activities like bike riding, childbirth, and sitting for long periods of time can trigger this type of pain. Sometimes patients can have urinary problems, and it's an underestimated source of sexual pain. Pudendal neuralgia is caused by irritation, inflammation, or compression of the pudendal nerve as it extends from the sacrum to the pelvis. Even more specifically, pudendal neuralgia affects the pelvic floor, which is a bowl-like region between your pubic bone in front and your sacrum in back. This area has muscles, tendons, and ligaments that hold the bones of the pelvis together. Today, we'll hear how an uncomplicated childbirth unexpectedly led to several years of pudendal neuralgia focused in the vaginal region. Leslie shares what she did to pull herself out of hopelessness to pain-free living. We'll then have the chance to learn about cutting-edge treatments for pudendal neuralgia from Dr. John McDonald, obstetrician, gynecologist, and anesthesiologist at UCLA Medical Center. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Purdue Pharma, Teva Pharmaceuticals, Atlantis Health Group, and Boston Scientific. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. If you have any questions or comments for Dr. Christo, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. Five years ago, our guest Leslie delivered her first child. This happy occasion was subsequently marred by a constant burning sensation that felt like a lit cigarette inside of her pelvis. She's here to share her story and help us understand more about pelvic pain that was diagnosed as pudendal neuralgia. Leslie, welcome back to Aches and Gains. Hi, thank you. In our last segment, uh, Dr. John McDonald, a pelvic pain expert from UCLA, uh, said that a reduction in blood flow to the pudendal nerves during childbirth caused Leslie's pudendal neuralgia and severe vaginal pain. In fact, uh, Leslie felt that life as she knew it was gone. Fortunately, she had treatment. And let's talk about them now. What worked? Yeah, I had caudal blocks, vaginal blocks, and then I was on, you know, two to three medications. Yeah. You know, when I and other pain specialists perform caudal injections, we place a small, thin needle near the tailbone and then inject local anesthetic, steroid, or a combination of both into the epidural space. The, the epidural space is the area that surrounds the spinal cord. 
The medicine bays the nerves of the sacrum and then reaches to the lower part of the spinal cord to help reduce pain. The vaginal blocks were actually pudendal nerve blocks. And the medications that you were taking were uh, pregabalin, also known as Lyrica, and duloxetine, which is also known as Cymbalta. And unfortunately, I think at that time, you didn't feel that they were particularly effective. But you did have several nerve blocks, both the caudals and the pudendal nerve blocks. How often? In the beginning, once a week. I mean, I was dedicated. And for how long? Um, I would say a few months, probably three, four, and then... You know, it tapered off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Leslie, if you examine all the interventions, the, the, the medicines and the injections, what was the most effective? Um, probably marijuana. Really? Yeah, I mean, I hadn't been a huge marijuana smoker before, uh-huh. but it helped me sleep. I had a lot of trouble sleeping at night because, yeah. you know, that's when everything seems the worst. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then you don't sleep and you're tired the next day and it just, it's a cycle. Right. So I think being able to get sleep at a certain point Um, You know, I really don't smoke at this point for, Uh you know, a period of a year and a half. It was a very dear friend of mine. Right. You know, we know that pain reduces sleep and a reduction in sleep or insomnia worsens pain. I mean, it becomes a vicious cycle. Uh, And there are medications and other therapies, complementary and alternative medicine therapies, that can really help patients in pain who have sleep disorders. Leslie, how much did the marijuana help with your pain? That's a good question. I don't know if it provided a ton of pain relief Uh or if it helped me sleep to help my body get the rest it needed. Well, we know that marijuana or medical marijuana helps reduce neuropathic pain or nerve pain, which is what indeed you had at that time. And I wonder whether you simply had less pain because you slept. Yeah, exactly. I was not sleeping well. I mean, I would be up at two in the morning taking a bath, you know, worrying about X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And I think the marijuana helped that cycle of my body finally being able to relax and to rest. You know, I never did it during the day while I was doing my daily business, but, you know, at a certain time after I would put my daughter to bed, it was number one on my hit list. (laughs) Right. You know, Leslie, did you try things like uh, pelvic floor rehabilitation? I mean, for example, myofascial release, manual stretching, or relaxation of the pelvic floor muscles? I did. I did it in Colorado with two different people, and I did it in L.A. with one person. And in retrospect, I shouldn't have. Um, I'm sure it helps for some people, but for me, it aggravated my nerve. Mm -hmm. And at the time, you know, I did whatever I was told to do. But looking back, after those sessions, I was in pain, and not the kind of pain where it gets better. It just aggravated it. I'd have to deal with it and wait for it to kind of die down again. You know, For certain numbers of my patients, I've recommended donut-shaped pillows to help reduce their pain from pudendal neuralgia. Did you have any experience using those? And if so, was it helpful? When I left the hospital, I was complaining of pain, and they gave me a donut-shaped pillow, and I probably sat on that for two years. (laughs) Right. You know, it's an easy solution that some might not even think about. When we come back from the break, we'll find out what ultimately made the difference for Leslie. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, the global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. Teva, the leading global pharmaceutical company committed to increasing access to high-quality health care by developing, producing, and marketing affordable generic medicines, as well as innovative and specialty pharmaceuticals. 
Atlantis Health Group. Atlantis is a comprehensive multi-specialty physician group committed to enhancing the quality and process of healthcare delivery across the country. Visit AtlantisHG.com. Welcome back. We're here with Leslie, who uh, delivered her first child about five years ago and unfortunately developed a pain syndrome called pudendal neuralgia that caused horrific vaginal pain that made her feel like her life would never be the same. She had some nerve blocks, which were quite effective. She tried some medicines, which unfortunately were not particularly effective. And she used marijuana in the evenings for about one and a half years to help reduce her extreme insomnia. Leslie, what ultimately made the difference? I mean, what reduced your pain the most? My stress level went down. My pain significantly decreased. And I was able to get back to doing some of the things I used to do. And it was just, it turned into a positive cycle. Right. And then I would get a little bit of relief. Um, I was happier. I was sleeping better. Uh-huh. When you're in the middle of it, you think, this is my life. It's horrible. It's never going to get better. I do think on some level, our bodies are meant to heal. Yeah. But I was my own worst enemy for the first, you know, year, year and a half because I was so nervous. Sure. And then when I finally gave my body a chance to heal, it really did do it. You know, I think many of us underestimate the impact, or that is the negative impact of stress on our lives, and specifically pain. Uh, Leslie, what did you do, though, to reduce stress in your life? My divorce became final. I moved out of a house where there was a lot of stress and tension. Yeah. Um, I slowly started going back to the gym. I didn't push myself, but I'd go for maybe 20 minutes, sit on a bike, um, just walk around a track, and then slowly I was able to do yoga but I was very patient with myself and got back to my normal life. That's great to hear. And where are you today? My pain is at a zero. I have one or two triggers a year, and it can set it off for a few months, but I know how to deal with it now. Yeah. And I don't go into that dark, horrible place anymore because I know my body will get back to a place of minimal pain. So I just sort of ride it out. That's fantastic. Uh, Leslie, what triggers those flares? Pelvic exams. You know, typically sex does not, but I would say anything related to the OBGYN. <laughs> right. What, what controls those flares now? Well, it's interesting because whereas Motrin and all those drugs did absolutely nothing for uh-huh. me back when my pain was extremely high, they do take the edge off now. Great. So I can use kind of an over-the-counter anti-inflammatory. That's great. You know, I want to backtrack for a minute. I've had some patients who have become just completely overwrought and distraught with pain to the point where they're suicidal. Did you ever reach the point where you, uh, where you were extremely... Hopeless. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I told my ex-husband at the time, it was about right at the time I was figuring out, you know, for sure this is what I have. I remember telling him if it wasn't for our daughter, I would probably not care if I was alive. And I had never had a single thought like that in my entire life. Yeah, you know, it's, it's really sad to hear that. And unfortunately, those who have pain are at higher risk of suicidal thoughts and uh, suicide. But Leslie, what ultimately pulled you out of that dark place? Um, you know, I think the thing that kept me from going there was my, I had a new baby. Yeah. And I wasn't going to have my child grow up without a mother. Of course not. Looking back, what would you have done differently? Not have thought of it as like doomsday. Yeah. Like my life is over. Right. Because I really think the stress and the depression and the lack of sleep kept everything going for longer than it had to. Mm-hmm. I think my pain would have gone down sooner if I had been able to mentally manage 
what I was going through. That's exactly right. And I think that highlights the importance of seeing a psychologist who can help out with, with cognitive behavioral therapy, relaxation, and guided imagery. Uh, Leslie, for those who feel like, God, I mean, their life will never be the same, what message of hope is there? Uh, you know, just for them to remind themselves daily that your body is meant to heal, a little bit of progress is progress, and you might not feel like your old self six months from that day, but, you know, four years, you, you very well might, and you have to be patient with your body. The more anxious you get about it being back to its old self, I think the more you deter it from healing. Great points. I think it's important not to give up and to have faith in yourself. Leslie, I want to thank you so much for joining us today on Aches and Gains. Sure, thank you. And up next is Dr. John McDonald, expert in pelvic pain from UCLA. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Purdue Pharma, making a positive impact on healthcare and on lives, reminding everyone to safeguard medications in their home. Boston Scientific, a leader in microelectric implantable technologies, used to treat chronic neuropathic pain. Welcome back. Dr. John McDonald is an expert in pelvic pain. His research focuses on how best to relieve pain from organs, such as the bladder, uterus, and colon. He's a professor of obstetrics and gynecology, as well as anesthesiology, at UCLA Medical Center. He's also a faculty member at the Nanosystems Institute. Dr. McDonald, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you. In part one of our show on pudendal neuralgia, we talked to Dr. McDonald about the causes of the syndrome, uh, like prolonged cycling, uh, excessive straining during bowel movements, as well as prolonged labor during vaginal delivery. Uh, Dr. McDonald, let's now look at the well, more precisely, into the mechanism by which women develop pudendal neuralgia from prolonged labor. The uh, pathology is associated with the head coming in contact with the uh, ischial spine, pushing the ischial spines outward on both sides, if you will. Mm -hmm. With this pushing, there is a stretching. And when that gets stretched, the vessels get uh, sometimes ruptured, sometimes stretched to the point that the nerve itself is damaged. Great description, and that's what eventually causes pain in the genitalia. Uh, Jack, surprisingly, pudendal neuralgia is an underestimated source of sexual pain. As a gynecologist, have you seen this? Oh, definitely. That's one of the things that my, my female patients suffer most about. They, here they come, they have this terrible pain, and they're saying to me, I just can't focus on my job anymore. My husband thinks that I'm uh, cold and I don't want to have sex anymore. They're being bombarded constantly with problems. In addition to that, they have pain. And that's something that physicians who see patients with chronic pelvic pain have to get those patients to pain treatment doctors as soon as possible. Absolutely. And how about men, Jack? Men who um, come to see me who obviously, you know, are very strong and, and typical male uh, male attitude, like right. I can conquer the world and what have you, mm -hmm. but now they're reduced to, oh my God, you've got to help me, doctor. I can't tell you how much pain I have in my left side of my penis, you know, yeah. and I, I'm constantly having to uh, urinate and I can't hold my urine anymore. I'm just mm. embarrassed and I'm depressed and what have you, you know, so they really suffer badly also. Yes, they do. And certainly this is not talked about very often, but should be because it could avoid a lot of suffering if patients felt comfortable discussing it with their doctors and got the treatment they need. What, what, what is fascinating to me is that much of the 
total enjoyment of our bodies is is really um, locked into a pretty small area of our anatomy, and that is the uh, pelvic anatomy. And yet it can be a very painful area and one that's anatomically complex, which is why a lot of doctors don't know how to treat it. Let's remember, too, that pudendal neuralgia is best diagnosed with a careful history and a digital exam, and that means in women, a vaginal exam, and in men, a rectal exam. And now, Jack, let's talk about the testing that helps make the diagnosis of pudendal neuralgia. I typically use pudendal nerve blocks. Well, uh, that's exactly what I use on all the patients. Uh, and I always show them the anatomy, by the way, Paul, yeah. because my, my strong feeling is patients... Uh, will fear what they do not know. That's right. And I think they're especially grateful to understand specifically what we're doing. We're talking about how to diagnose pudendal neuralgia using pudendal nerve blocks. They're traditionally performed in women transvaginally or in men through the anus. I perform them using x-ray guidance and position the needle around the bone that we sit on. Now, if those approaches aren't helpful or successful, then some perform these particular blocks under CT guidance because they have shown to provide relief. CT scans and MRIs at the pelvis, however, are not typically useful in diagnosing this condition, either our EMGs or nerve conduction tests. Now, Jack, tell us more about ultrasound guidance. Oh, ultrasound's fantastic. You know, I think very soon, you know, we won't be doing any nerve blocks without ultrasound guidance mm -hmm. because what you get from this is incredible. You get the ability to stay away from the venous and the arterial units, and you can also see uh, the local anesthetic as it's spreading right around the circle of the uh, uh, nerve bundle. That's exactly right. So you not only stay away from the arteries and veins, but you can focus the injection right around the nerve. We have to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk to Dr. McDonald about cutting-edge treatments for pudendal neuralgia. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and this is Aches and Gains. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Now, Jack, let's switch to treatments. What's your experience with physical therapy? Physical therapy and the use of psychology, absolutely imperative. There, there, you couldn't have a more wonderful ally, and, and you have to get good people, which there's a lot of good people out in both of these areas, and they will really help these patients tremendously. Absolutely. I mean, I send my patients for pelvic floor rehabilitation, which is extremely helpful. Sometimes they even incorporate uh, biofeedback. Now, Jack, I want to talk about pudendal nerve blocks and their therapeutic effect. So there have been studies, one at least, that showed that uh, steroid plus local anesthetic elicited long-term relief and may be effective in over 70% of patients. What's your experience? I'm very, very strong in regard to the use of steroid. That brings up a very interesting point because um, I, I think you know, on some patients, their response is extremely rapid yeah. and also gratifying. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure you've heard of, and I'm sure you're aware of, the, uh, the newest, most exciting local anesthetic that we've ever been, uh, we've ever seen called Expiril. Expiril has a 72-hour effect, and it can only be used for uh, local injections. 
and I have been using it and getting some really excellent results and what have you. Maybe we're going to get a patient to a lower level, a 5-4 or maybe even a 3-2 by using longer blocks. Isn't that exciting? It's extremely exciting because we can take patients, say, from a 7 out of a 10 pain down to a 3 out of a 10 in pain using uh, Expirel, which is a long-acting form of bupivacaine. And as you mentioned, it has about a 72-hour effect. I think that that has great potential to reduce pain, even more so perhaps if we add steroid along with that local anesthetic. Now, Dr. McDonald, I have some success in using uh, something called pulsed radiofrequency. One study reported good relief for, gosh, one and a half years or so. What has your experience been? I, I've used pulse radio frequency on some patients, and I have not been too impressed. And maybe that's my fault, because maybe with a busy practice, I didn't have time and didn't spend enough time doing it. Yeah, I understand that. Now let's switch to the medications, Jack. Which ones have you found the most successful? I had them take a scriptin, which has Malox in it, and it's just plain aspirin. Mm -hmm. And um, if that doesn't do the trick, I ask them to take um, tramadol. Right. You know, tramadol can be effective, and it has a mixed or dual action uh, to reduce pain. And uh, Dr. McDonald, how about the group of medicines called tricyclic antidepressants? Those are things like nortriptyline and amitriptyline. We use those quite frequently to help reduce neuropathic or nerve pain. my colleague, Dr. Rapkin, has, and, and she just uh, believes that uh, they're, they're very positive. Yeah, and me too. What about the opioids, medications like oxycodone and morphine and fentanyl? Opioids, I try to steer away from mm-hmm. as much as I can. And I tell the patients, you know, if uh, you have a situation where you have extreme pain, and, and some of this may be tied up in psychology and, and some may be physical therapy. So let's see where we are after three to four weeks. And yeah. then if you're still at a bad bad point, then um, I, I say to who who is your family doctor? And so I'll call the GP. And so we talk about it. And I think that's a logical thing to do. I agree. I think the conversation between you as the pain expert and the primary care physician is crucial. And I also think that it is important to consider opioids for patients who have pudendal neuralgia who just aren't getting enough relief from the other treatments. And now, Jack, let's talk about ergonomic modifications. I mean, for example, some of my patients really benefit from donut-shaped cushions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mentioned that I think some of the patients get some wonderful relief. I, I know one recently who flies back and forth from New York to L.A. on a regular basis, and she just absolutely swears by uh-huh. by the fact that it gives her some uh, relief. And she said to me, what do you think's happening? And I said to her, I, I would suggest anatomically that the blood flow increases a little bit. Uh-huh. And how effective have you found acupuncture to be? I, I think acupuncture can be effective. I've seen it uh, uh, have some positive effect. On, on a few patients, I haven't been overly impressed with uh, it, but I think it is possible. Mm-hmm. Sacral nerve stimulation can also be used to help reduce pudendal neuralgia and other types of uh, pelvic pain. That's when we place electrodes near some of the nerves that come out of the sacrum. And I'm wondering if you've had any experience uh, with patients who've had sacral nerve stimulation. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, of course. In fact, in patients who are not amenable to everything that you tried. This may make all the difference in the world. I agree, although the FDA has not approved sacral nerve stimulation for pelvic pain. 
Jack, when would you consider or when would you recommend surgery, that is surgical decompression for pudendal neuralgia? Because many surgeons don't perform it, and I, and I think success is, is noted as pretty rare. I would certainly say it would be after A, B, C through D yeah. and also tried external stimulation. And finally, what have you found to be the most effective in controlling pudendal neuralgia? The use of the pudendal nerve block, uh, the use of the caudal epidural block, frequent and attentiveness to both physical therapy and psychology. Mm-hmm. And hope is what you must always keep in the forefront. That's so true. And thank you so much for joining us today on Aches and Gains. Thank you very much. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.